Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a one trillion dollar tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk/greattalent to see how you can work, live, and move to the UK. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello, listeners of The Bake Down. This is Josh, founder of Bake With Legends. And before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to let you know that we have some incredible Black Friday offers for our online classes. Until Tuesday, 28th of November, you can get 20% off all classes currently on sale and 15, 1-5% off our vouchers offering unbeatable value. Head to bakewithlegend.com slash online classes Choose your class and enter Black Friday Pod, that's Black Friday Pod, P-O-D, to get 20% class discount or Bake Down Offer to get 15% off all our voucher packages. Attending a class is the biggest way you can say thank you to the team for putting on the podcast for you, so we'd really love to see you online soon. Now, back to Sarah and the latest podcast. Say it properly, Italian. say it properly. <laughs> <laughs> An Italian mille feuille, which is a mille foyer. I swear at one point, Paul just said mille foyer. <laughs> yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bake Down podcast. We are into week nine, the semi-finals. Only one more week to go until we find out who's going to be the winner of series fourteen. It's very, very exciting. We only have four contestants in the tent, and whoever goes at this stage, it's going to be so sad because they just missed out on a place in the final. But let's start off with introducing my lovely co-hosts here. We have Jane Beadle, Howard Middleton, and Dan Beasley Harling. Hi, guys. Hello. Patisserie week, semi-finals. Hi, guys. So we've had uh, we've had patisserie as a semi-final for the last uh, quite a few years. I think Jane, since you, since it was your season. Oh God, we since did season fancies. Still a bit scarred with the old fondant fancies. What a mess. Andrew did a great job. Well, Andrew. <laughs> Andrew did do a great job. Yes. <laughs> I think Selassie and I are not so good. But yeah, gosh, I've, I've never made a fondant fancy since. I don't remember the other challenges. So. I did actually, after watching your season, I did make fondant fancies and I did do a good job, but they took me about three times as long. So, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, did you do as many? Did you do 12 of two different types? I think I did one. 
just oh yeah took him three days to make one fondant fancy <laughs> howard what do you think about patisserie week so late in the competition do you think it's like they've worked up to it or do you think this is a skill we should see earlier on no i, th- I think they have worked up to it i mean it, essentially it is um, a lot of the skills that, that we've had in previous weeks, kind of pastry skills, cake skills, and so on. But it's just about doing it with that added bit of finesse, isn't it? So I think we expect that by, by this stage. Excellent. Yeah, what Howard said. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think um, Howard's right, though. There's A lot of the skills are just repeats of other skills we've already been through. So they should be able to do them. Um, we did have full puff this week, which is quite rare for Bake Off, isn't it? Oh, um, it is, they're being yeah. asked to do that. I'm sure we'll get onto that later. Um, but yeah, no, they, they should have been fine by this point. And who was it that they thought was going to be the expert? Was it Dan? I can't remember Dan. now. Yeah, he yeah. was really looking forward to patisserie week. Yes, mm. that's I think the one they all worried about. I was just looking at ours. Actually, we made palmiers, twenty-four savoury palmiers. Oh. So I don't remember us having to make full puff though. Anyway, yes, and then we did a savaran for our technical, which I came first. Yay! Even though I Yay. couldn't make caramel. Yay! Um, <laughs> and then thirty-six fondant fancies. Mm. Not twenty-four. Thirty-six. Flipping it. Blimey. Yeah, and Andrew got Star Baker. Damn it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no hard feelings, though. No, no, um, never. I love Andrew to pieces. Did you think, though, for, for Patisserie Week, Financier is not that challenging? Or would you, I mean, you've got to get the bake right. Jane, you look like you're about to burst into a diatribe. Go on. Well, so what they seem to be doing is choosing a classic bake like Financier and then making them heavily decorated. So the brief must be to let's give them heavily decorated as you would see them in a French patisserie window. Well, you'd never see financiers decorated with piles of gunk and gunge. And no. my daughter happened to be around and I said, oh, let's, let's try and make some gluten-free financiers. I said, oh, should we decorate them? And she went, oh, God, no. She said, financiers should be just delicious almond or whatever little cake sponge so you know don't take a challenge and then say right how can we make this worthy of a semi-final i know let's make them decorate the hell out of it i just i didn't mind it because i thought they came up with some nice flavors and they look pretty but don't tell me they have to be in a patisserie window because the french would probably never have done that with a financier so yeah, I didn't mind the challenge and I'm not going to get really too cross about it. But they possibly could have found something a little more appropriate for decorating if that's what they wanted them to do than a financier. Yeah, the only way I've seen a financier in the wild is with just a little bit of decoration just to kind of tell you what's in it, but not sort of like coating the whole cake. That's mm. not really device. It's not a cupcake, mm. is it? No. Um, but I've got to ask, and we did talk about Dan already. What on earth did you think of Dan's flavours? Oh, uh. <laughs> he's he's, uh, he's off visiting the Far East again, isn't he? So he's got his Tonka bean uh, mousse and his matcha. So, um, but I, I wasn't enchanted by any of that. They did seem to like it, but I have to say, it sort of it made me a little bit upset. Made me a little bit wretchy. <laughs> I, I thought it was a. A, a kind of unusual combination, let's put it like that. So I think I could I can imagine some of those flavours individually 
the yuzu and tonka bean and so on, but to put them all together with pink peppercorns and matcha. So, ooh, not the sure peppercorns through me. Yeah. There seem to be no mention of them again. How do you ma- how do you macerate a peach as well? You just slap it about a bit. Do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what you when you have a toilet that you can't get the actual plumbing in there properly, they you have macerators. <laughs> No, like when you make a mojito, you macerate the limes. You just sort of smash them up a bit. Yeah. Anyway, well, exactly. <laughs> Did they mean marinated or were they just smashed no, up peaches? Just, no, they were I, macerated. I think so. Sometimes I think Dan just does flavours just to be annoying, really. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, Dan. I mean, you love your bakes and, and you're a super baker and all that. But why, you know... Why put matcha and I love pistachio. Pistachio is lovely, fantastic. But matcha and uzu and chocolate, which is what tonka bean is, really, isn't it? It's just all just yeah, like Howard. What a, it was just sort of a let's see how many different flavors we can get in there to get a rise out of poor Hollywood. And yeah, that one annoyed me a bit. But vanilla, orange, and peaches and raspberry—that's lovely, lovely combination. I quite like that. Yeah. To Dan's credit, every time he's tried something wacky, I think he's gotten away with it. I think yeah, every time, he yes, has. he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he obviously does know what he's doing. Um, and yeah, it's uh, obviously we need to mention he got a handshake, didn't he? Yeah. He did indeed. Uh, what did they say? That's beautiful celebration of citrus a triumph. Well done, Dan. It's got the moisture too. That's what they said. I'm just looking at other pictures of financiers. And what they tend to do is they tend to, if you want a bit of decoration, so these ones particularly are raspberry and pistachio. So they put some raspberries in the top before they bake them and sprinkled on some pistachio. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Super pretty. Okay. They tell you what's in them. But without covering it in gels and... Anyway, I'm going to stop saying that now because people are going to get very cross and irritated listening to me (laughs) going on about this. Anyway, that wasn't their fault. It was whoever set the brief. No, but I'm with you, Jane. I agree. I definitely agree. Thank you. I'm a bit grumpy. I fell over in the mud earlier. Oh, bless you. You do, oh, you need a little financier to pick I'd you up. I do. I could do with yeah. a financier. <laughs> I, I could do with a big rich financier, actually. <laughs> 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 so, yes, this was our financier's challenge. Uh, we had to do two batches of 12 each, 24 in total. Um, and this was a two-hour challenge. Uh, yes, Dan had some very funky flavours. And he said he was only going to put in a tiny, tiny bit of matcha because Paul was not a matcha fan. And he said it just helped to enhance the pistachio. I just wonder if it's a case of, you know, when you, I mean, if you're ever cooking like a soup or a stew, you say it's a tomato soup. You know, you don't say it's a garlic, oil, onion, salt, pepper. You know, you don't list every single ingredient that's gone into it. So Mm. if he was going to market these, they might be, pistachio and yuzu Mm. you know those would be the two flavors that stood out but again Mm. for impact for maybe it's the edit that just wanted a bit of a rise off paul they just sort of listed all the flavors to give it a bit of a ooh factor we try and make it sound more fancy that's for sure 
Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but the judges really seemed to like it. So um, that was a bit of a triumph, definitely. Good start. It was a good start. It really was. Uh, what did we think of Tasha's? Because she had that pistachio in it as well. She had a raspberry and pistachio one. Raspberry and pistachio, lovely. I, th- mm. I, th- I loved the sound of hers. Actually, I want to make a hazelnut and coffee financier, which makes sound delicious. I love the idea of her flavours. I, I, I think hers were my favourite. Uh, I don't know where they're my favourite or where Josh is my favourite. I don't know, but I love the sound of those. Uh, Tasha also did a really nice chocolate and hazelnut one with a mocha ganache and caramelised hazelnuts as well. And uh, that was described as delicious melt in the mouth and the perfect bake. So she did very, very well in that challenge, apart from a slightly overbaked sponge on the raspberry ones and... She had seemed to have a bit of trouble with her buttercream, didn't she? And she said, she made a thing out of saying, you know, Swiss meringue buttercream splitting is okay because it will come back together. But then she sort of maybe ran out of time to bring it back together. I'm mm. not sure what happened there. Maybe she put it in the bag and then it did something in the bag. You know, how often mm. do you stick it in the fridge and you bring it out again and you think, oh, I've got to whip it again now. And I think yeah. maybe she put it in the bag, stuck it in the fridge, and then it did whatever Swiss meringue buttercream does when you're not looking. And, <laughs> you know, it can. One minute you're perfect, and the next minute you're this curdled mess. I think the fates were against her, really. I just... Mm. But there's a good reason that anybody who's listening who might want to be on Bake Off at any time, don't do a buttercream if you don't have to. Whisk together some mascarpone and double cream and flavour that up. Choose an easy option and, and then say you're flavouring it with yuzu gel and <laughs> scent of camel or something. I don't know. <laughs> Jane, do you think it's fair to say then that you get more points for your finished product rather than the steps you took to get there? So like with Tasha's inverted pastry, which we oh, will come to later on. Yes, yeah. I, I think. And I still go back to Chigs a couple of seasons ago. Um, it looked beautiful. It tasted beautiful. I think most people shy away from um, creme chantilly or whipped double cream and vanilla, or however you want to say, because it seems to be too simple. But when you've seen people put that into a rich bake, very often, Paul will compliment them and go, oh, it's lovely to have the cream because it gives a little bit of relief from the this. So I, I think they feel that they have to do something a bit more clever. And sometimes something simple will do the job better and actually make your life easier. And that is actually the perfect segue into the class that we will be doing for uh, week nine of our Bake Along Challenge. So we will be doing some fantastic financiers with Rosie, the lovely Rosie, on Sunday the 26th of November. We will be doing the classic financier and pairing them with a beautiful cherry cream and a lemon cream. So just something really not too fancy not too complicated just a real classic with a bit of decoration so hopefully encapsulating everything that we've just said there um and we will be doing it we you you can choose to do it with or without nuts depending on preferences or allergies or anything so do sign up for that one you can sign up at the bake with a legend website so you can look for rosie's financiers class on sunday the 26th of november Oh, you see, I didn't know she was doing a cream, so that was perfect timing, wasn't it? I know. Mm. There you go. We obviously are just great minds, <laughs> great minds think alike. <laughs> so, Howard, what did you think of the 
other two contestants. We had Matty's tiramisu uh, financiers and then his sort of tropical-y ones. And then we had Josh's Bakewell and then his chocolate orange and hazelnuts. What did you think? Yeah. Oh, Matty. It's lovely, Matty. But he does sometimes, you sort of get the impression that he's kind of winging it a little bit. Not quite sure what, what the finished bake should look like or how to do it. And so so he did end up with some slightly thick financier, didn't he? But he uh, did. Yeah, Tiramisu-inspired, um, uh, yeah, I, I think similar to Tasha's hazelnut and coffee, you can't really go wrong with a coffee um, financier. And coconut, mango and lime are kind of tropical one. Yeah, I, I think Pooh said flavours are so good. Um, but yeah, Paul said, didn't he? He didn't have to make them so thick. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. And again, looking at good old Google, some financiers are are really quite thin from mm. top to bottom, aren't they? And you're going to have a problem baking them if you do make them too thick because you're going to have to bake them for too long and the outside then gets dry and the inside or, or the inside doesn't really cook enough. So I think there's a very good reason why the French generally do them thinner because the bake gets to be just right. So some recipes have more ingredients for a batch of 12 and inevitably it points you then in the direction of a deep one and then they don't cook in the time. So trust Rosie's recipe basically rather than some of the more unreliable recipes online. Yes, I'm sure Rosie's recipe will be absolutely fantastic. Um, So we do hope to see you there if you fancy coming and making some financiers for yourself. If you have signed up to all 10 of the classes in our 10-week package, then we will definitely see you there. If you haven't, don't worry, you can still sign up, but there are limited places available. So do head on over to the website as soon as you can to see if there are any spots left. And don't forget, you can use the code podcast to get 10% off your booking. Can I just ask you a question about brown butter? Mm. Because the trick about this is to make a brown butter, salted or unsalted? And I asked the question because I made some brown butter the other day and in spite of constantly stirring it to make sure nothing burnt on the bottom, maybe I did take my eye off it a little bit, but it had a brown residue on the bottom and I used salted butter and that brown residue was almost complete salt. I mean, it had to be. I don't make brown butter very often, I confess, but I think maybe it's better with an unsalted butter. I, I mean, I tend to use unsalted all the time, but I, I know, yeah. uh, and then add a little bit of salt if I need it. So I probably wouldn't have any salted butter in, in the first place to be doing it. Oh, but you do okay. sometimes have to kind of sip it as well, don't you, and, and blot a bit of that away with kitchen roll if there's if there's any really bitter bits of brown butter as well i didn't burn it it was just this this residue is definitely salty so i would advise not i always use salted butter i've got a jaded old palate so i very very rarely do i use unsalted butter Uh, but i I just don't think the salted works for a brown butter there we go anyway Mm. sorry josh josh no no it's a it's a good tip if anybody's gonna Try brown butter, maybe start with an unsalted one. That's a very good tip, Jane. Thank you. I don't know. I think the trick is just to, in my experience, is just to watch it like a hawk and be slightly braver than you think you can afford to be. I was brave. (laughs) Well, Johnny, (laughs) I mean, if it's black, it's obviously burnt. But if it's just brown, if it's still brown, it's not burnt yet, you know. So um, it will still taste good and you'll just get a more intense flavour, I think. So I think it's 
fine. But I've never yeah. noticed the salty residue. That's a new one on me. Yeah, so the, the brownie brown stuff that settled to the bottom of the pan was because I thought I'd taste it before I put it in my cake because you should. Why maybe. not? Why yeah. not? Um, and I went, oh, that's much too salty. It was it was almost solid salt that had gone brown. So anyway, sounds charming. Yeah, well, it was delicious sludge. This salty sludge. <laughs> I, I feel like we're witnessing the birth of some catchphrases, guys. <laughs> salty sludge. <laughs> Great tips. <laughs> oh, poor Josh. Let's talk about Josh. Let us talk about Josh. Gosh, we've taken a long time talking about these. Well, I think the Josh's overriding thing was that the cake is dry, which was sad. I think he had a bit too much almond and his cake was dry. They said the chocolate was delicious. So I think they were just sort of highlighting. He had had a couple of couple of problems with that. Um, but the cake is dry, never a good one. And uh, he was one of the ones who had a deep cake, wasn't he? So um, uh, he did. maybe, maybe yeah. he was pushing to get it into one solid lump he could turn out. And uh, yeah, it all got a little bit too fluffy on the inside. Flavour sounds nice though. Mm, I love a bake, I love a bake well. Mm. But as we often say, um, for me, I can chuck in as much vanilla in most of the time. I don't measure it. I always measure my almond because the almond yeah. can make it taste very artificial or too almondy. So I think mm. perhaps he was a little bit cavalier with the almond extract for his bake well version. But coming out of the financiers challenge, uh, everybody had a pretty good challenge nobody did particularly badly there are a few pluses and minuses along the way dan definitely pulling ahead with that handshake but as we say it's still anybody's game at this stage so now we move into the technical challenge which was a tato pomme uh, this needed a pastry case, uh, an almond frangipan and apple puree with some beautiful glazed apple slices on top. And uh, I've learned a new word, nappage. I had <laughs> no idea what that was. I had to go back and rewind it because I thought, what are they saying? I had no idea what a nappage was. For anybody who doesn't know what a nappage is, apparently it is a fruit glaze. Uh, and it's it's a French word meaning coating or topping, derived from the word napper, meaning to cover with sauce. So that would be nappage. Yeah, well, exactly. Nappage. Exactly. Yeah. Nappage. Not yes. nappage. 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 Oh, yeah, dirty nappage. <laughs> I don't know. I think I like my pronunciation. <laughs> I, think so. I think that's how they said it. <laughs> nappage. Yeah. Nappage. So there we go. We've all learned something. So, what did we think of this challenge? Oh, I thought it was lovely. Yeah, I liked the challenge. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. Really loved it. Absolutely loved it. I thought it was so beautiful. And I was just trying to remember, what is it? Did they have a custard on it as well? I don't think they did. I think it was yeah. the, the frangipan and a, ge a gel or a jelly or something. Like an apple puree type. Oh, yeah. Like as well, was it? Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then those beautiful, beautiful, beautiful apples on the top. I, I can't wait to make it. I... I, it looked so gorgeous. I, it was one of my favourite technical challenges, I think. Well, J Jane, you, you're right. It looked gorgeous if it was done right. Oh, yes, I think, I think, I think the the group was split slightly, wasn't it? I think two people did it, did the concentric circles beautifully, mm. and another two people perhaps missed the boat a little bit. Mm, Got yeah. it slightly wrong. <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, I've done pies in this style before, and actually the 
the saddest thing about it all is when you come to cut it, it's actually really, really difficult to cut it without making a horrific mess and pulling mm. all the slices off. Mm. So it looks beautiful when it's freshly baked, but then when you try and cut it, it all gets a bit messy quite quickly. Maybe I messed up. I don't know, but uh, yeah. It's- You're right, Jan, because you I'm sure you have made those um, apple roses where yeah. you blanch them and then you wrap them around to make a lovely rose, which is similar, actually, to what they did here. Um, and they are re- they can be really chewy. They look beautiful, mm. but they can if you if you sink them into frangipan, which I've done in the past, and let the frangipan cook around it, um, you suddenly come to this sort of slightly cardboardy bit of apple that's <laughs> sort of sat in there. So yeah, you've got a point, don't they? Oh God, they, it looks just stunning, didn't it? I think it's it did. It did. Really, really did. Although I am slightly surprised when I've made it, I just peeled the apples completely. I haven't left a little piece of skin. I dare say it could be a bit could be more beautiful but i would also imagine that would make it a bit more chewy yes i, I don't would, know i would have thought so too they did they did seem to get a lot of slices from two apples do they only have two apples yeah that's what i thought i thought i'm sure there's more than two well, apples they must have had more than two yeah because yeah. it was somebody said it's a big tins i think it was josh so that the pastry would never cook if you didn't blind bake it so um that comment aside, because we I cook bakewell tart without blind baking the pastry because it's in the oven for an hour, so it cooks anyway. But where he said it was a big tin, I'm assuming it was at least an eight, if not a nine or ten inch. It looked there bigger were, than eight. It looked bigger than eight, didn't it? In which case, you'd never get around that with two apples. I, I wouldn't have thought so. No, yeah. I don't think so. Um, but what surprised me was um, Matty. Because I would have expected Tasha or Dan, especially Dan, because he said he was looking forward to patisserie week. I would have thought one of those would have got the message on how to cut those and rearrange the apples. But Matty, Matty seemed to just do it without any trouble at all. And and not being horrible to Matty, but he's not the most experienced baker by his own admission. But he did a pretty good job. Was 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 he watching Josh? Did he? <laughs> I, mean, I can't remember now. I can't remember now where they were. Where no, they were I in don't the tent? Where they were in the tent either? Maybe, maybe he did. I liked his honesty. Exactly. Matty was making a lot of comments, especially in the showstopper of like, "When do I need to take it out? When they take it out? What, yeah. what, what do you do? Just copy Josh? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe then. Maybe who's just copying Josh? <laughs> but I was interested. I'm interested in your views, guys, on the pastry, because when I do a tart and blind bake it, I trim my pastry off to start with. I don't trim it afterwards because I find, well, after it's baked, because I find you get, it can be a bit rough. You know, you can you don't get a nice clean cut. Mm. So I'll trim mine off. I will or, or to the point, roll my rolling pin over the top of it. Make sure you haven't stretched it too far so it doesn't shrink too much. And then chill it down really well before I bake it. So I'll very often line my pastry, whatever the mould is, and then chill after rather than chill, then roll, and then chill again. Yeah. Um, and I, I, all of them seem to be trimming off their pastry after they've baked it. I just wondered what you guys would do because I don't do that. I do it the other way around. And as long as you chill properly and you have a decent pastry recipe, it doesn't shrink. It, it, you, it, was, it was very trendy for a while to do it, to half bake it and then cut it off afterwards. Um, I Like you, I would either 
the pastry would be rough or the pastry would splinter as I was trying to cut it yeah. and then you would ruin the pastry case. So I typically do it the way you do it. Uh, the way I learned to do it, um, just to reduce any shrinkage a little bit further, is you can push the pastry a little bit up above the lip of the tin and then chill it down and then w- as it shrinks, it will sort of pretty much be level. Okay. But, it, yeah. but if you just want a nice uniform appearance, actually rolling the pin across the top of the, the case seems to be the best way to get a uniform finished product. The only problem is you might have a little bit of shrinkage with that. So if you're like baking a custard into it, sometimes it will then expand it and crack it afterwards. So I don't know. I've never quite figured out a 100% foolproof solution to baking pastry cases. It's just one of those life's unsolvable problems, I think. And Howard's <laughs> probably about to disgrace me, aren't you, Howard? No, I'm Howard's not disgracing so I, I I completely agree with you. However, I think sometimes when you're up against the clock and you haven't got the time to chill it down, I do mm. tend to leave mine hanging over and then trim it trim it afterwards so how do you trim yeah. it without ruining the pastry case though just a Is sharp knife i think you wait, you need a knife sharpener dan you can't cut <laughs> your, your, your two. what are you using dan like the back of a spoon or something just he <laughs> can't get a nice neat slice and he can't just can't trim just the an top old mallet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. we know what we're sending you for christmas we're sending yeah. you a knife sharpener i have the knife sharpener i just got to get it out the drawer clearly this this podcast has been absolutely fantastic for christmas presents for the three of you hasn't it <laughs> it has it's all revealed so so if anybody wants to send christmas presents <laughs> no Sarah, no 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's okay i'll tell you what i want at the end of the podcast it's fine oh, okay. yeah <laughs> um i think some people i don't know if i saw it in this or if it's just i've seen other people doing it we use a microplaner just to get the finest ends off the pastry because mm. obviously once you've cut it if you've just left a little sharp but you can just use a microplaner to sand oh, it down as you like. i mean it's just too much faffing just cut it before you cook it <laughs> <laughs> there you go cut it before you cook it wise words indeed <laughs> so yes uh this was the technical tato pom challenge um tasha had a bit of trouble with the blind baking she didn't seem to blind bake it enough to keep it stable once it was taken out of the tin and to be fair i do think that's one of the hardest things to do is take big things like this out of the tin although they they were loose bottom tins weren't they yeah. yeah, no, it should be fine. Yes, I they, mean, were. They, they were all saying, oh, I'm going to do it for 15 minutes or I'm going That's to do not it enough. for 20 no. nowhere near enough. Yeah, 20 minutes, take your beans out if it looks as though it's cooked enough. Done. If yeah. it doesn't, stick your beans back um, and then bake it some more. I mean, once you've taken your beans out, it's not hard. I reckon 25 minutes to do a decent pastry case. Um, they were just not leaving it in enough. What I typically do is I cook it at 160 fan, 20 minutes with the beans in and then 10 minutes with the beans out. Yeah, and yeah, as, a gen- exactly. as a general rule of thumb, that's enough for pretty much any pastry. Yeah. But yeah, I allow at least half an hour for blind baking, not 15 minutes. Yeah, not 15 minutes. There's no way it's ready in 15 minutes. And in a, with a different sort of filling, it's okay with frangipan. You would then brush over some egg or egg white to just seal it to stop. The, your pastry going soggy. So if you're making a quiche and putting in, or a lemon tart actually, uh, where you've got a quite a runny filling going into a blind bake case, seal it with a bit of egg 
for five minutes after that before you put your wet filling in. Mm. But 15 minutes. I was a bit shocked. None of them seemed to know how long to bake a pastry case for. Although Matty, the voice of inexperience, somehow managed to pretty much get this all right, didn't he? I thought it was very close to the wire. They said it was crisp on the bottom, slightly soft on the top of the pastry, but very crisp on the bottom. Dear old Matty, he's really coming together uh, in this show. Uh, As I said um, in one of the early episodes, I really had him pegged as an early out because he just didn't seem to have the baking knowledge. Mm. Um, and he's really proved us all wrong, hasn't he? He was. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, he said he'd never made frangipan before. Never yeah. made frangipan before, and yet he, he did a really, really good job. Yeah, I think he's a good instinctive baker. Yeah. And he definitely seems to be taking in everything that he gets told and everything that other people get told. He's taking it in, he's learning, and he's applying mm. that to the, next, mm. to the next thing he bakes, which is the perfect way to learn and advance your skills. Did anybody listen properly to what um, Noel and Josh were talking about, where Josh has got some titanium mesh in his head? I think that was a rugby <laughs> injury, wasn't it? Was that a rugby injury? <laughs> it was, yes. Yes, it was. It said something about it should be a sign on there saying, do not press. <laughs> yeah. He's, he said when he when he woke up from surgery, somebody had uh, had written on in Sharpie, do not press. Do not press. Because of yeah. the titanium mesh that was on Ow. the front. <laughs> I don't know if that was like an instruction or a prank. I don't know. Depends which hospital he went to. Uh, but yes. yes. Nice little insight into the baker's lives there. <laughs> Yes, there we go. Anyway, I thought it was a lovely challenge. really liked that one, and I can't wait to make it. And it was something that Prue definitely enjoyed. She said it was one of her favourite desserts, if not her favourite. And yes, an absolutely delicious challenge, which makes me want to go and bake one right now. But first, we have to do the ranking. So poor old Tasha came fourth in the challenge. It struggled to come out of the tin. It was messy, the pastry didn't have much colour but the overall flavour was really good and they did say at the beginning they really wanted to focus on the pastry the technical element of this challenge Dan was third um, a bit split and clumsy I think were the words they used but good pastry well baked and it said the frangipan could be stronger Um, I assumed that was in bake rather than flavour I assumed with a little bit more almond extract in there that's what I assumed maybe it could have been flavour then I could have been either could have been either. Matty was then second, um, as you say, Dan, you know, really quite close to the edge, but really came out very well. He made a very neat tart with a good apple decoration. Pastry needed a touch more baking, but had a good crispy bottom, which is something we can all aspire to. And Josh came in first, a very neat tiny bit of a split pastry which everybody did seem to have uh, but melt in the mouth and good decoration very very nice neat decoration so josh was there first i'm interested to see when they post that recipe for this challenge what pastry that they were told to make because they were all having trouble with it cracking and flaking now maybe they didn't put enough water in it to hold it together um, but they all had trouble with it so i'll be interested to know what recipe they were given because they shouldn't have had the same the problems that they did Ooh. Uh, so we shall see. Does frangipan expand when you bake it? A little bit. Not enough to okay. cause a problem. We don't have a problem with the baked corn tarts, do we, Sarah? No, not usually. Okay, fair enough. No, just sometimes if uh, if the pastry hasn't completely cooled after its first blind baking, if you put something that expands in it, like a custard or a, I guess a frangipan, sometimes it will crack a bit. But oh, okay. for, me, for me, that's quite normal for me. I've never had that no. happen, but... No, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we just all need a slightly more robust pastry recipe. 
maybe. Uh, but still, anybody's game at this point. Uh, nobody has had an appalling challenge at all. Uh, there's been ups and downs, as we said in the first challenge. Dan did really well in the signature, started to pale a bit in the technical. Josh did, kind of went the other way around, and Tasha and Matty. It really is anybody's game at this point. Thank you so much everybody who has been writing in with questions and comments you guys have been absolutely fantastic unfortunately we're not going to have time to answer every question but do keep them coming in as you know we will always be doing more podcasts as the years go on so please do keep letting us know what you think of the podcast and the challenges week to week now we have a question here from sarah in north carolina who says hi bake down crew i'm an avid home baker and huge fan of bake off and of you all since the beginning so uh, sarah's been watching right from the very beginning um she says i only recently found the podcast but have been hugely enjoying hearing your voices again as well as great tips on your fun commentary on the current series now her question she says i'm curious which techniques recipes or skills either from your time in the tent or since did you feel pushed your baking boundaries the most sarah says that she's always looking for ways to grow as a baker and making puff pastry is her goal before the end of the year so hopefully sarah you'll have picked up a few tips from this episode but guys what's what's pushed your baking boundaries the most i struggled with tempering i think and i i even now i, I sort of avoid it at all costs but i will i will occasionally do it when it needs to be done but yeah i think tempering chocolate is uh is a tricky one yeah it is and actually you need good chocolate to do it with i was trying to do it with some really cheap supermarket chocolate the other day and yeah it's not worth even if you've got to do it with decent chocolate oh well, i i really don't know i feel as though i have improved and grown as a baker in so many ways um since the show and i'm sure we all have actually just given the confidence to write your own recipes which i would never have dreamt mm. of doing before i was on the show and now i do it all the time so nothing in particular oh, for me lovely. just a general improvement i should have kept my mouth shut shouldn't i because i'm now because <laughs> dan yeah dan's gonna say now that nothing phases him and i i i'm gonna look like the one that struggles <laughs> so. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Chocolate is difficult, Howard. I would totally agree with you. That's not Howard, it's easy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, all valid comments, guys. All valid comments. Dad, what do you think? No, I would would basically just agree with Jane. I don't think there's any sort of one particular skill that I've got much better at. I'm just dropping Howard right in it. Yeah, thank (laughs) you. But I I couldn't temper chocolate when I was on the show. I didn't try, but I couldn't do it. Mm. I didn't know how, and now I do it without thinking about it. Yeah. Sorry, Howard. No, I I can do it. I can do it. But we had to do it in week one. 
and I saw that panicked me a little bit. And I suppose there's still a little bit of of that that reminds me of what it felt like to do it in week But yes, now I, th- I I think I'm I'm fine. I ju- I just avoid it if I can. Uh, oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> so, excuse Howard while he goes off to temper some chocolate just to prove he can. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I just think sort of little the improvements as you go on with anything that you're already fairly good at, the improvements become smaller, you know. But I've still made lots of improvements and dis- discovering new tips and tricks all the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I am improving, but not sort of there's no big gaping holes in my knowledge before Bake Off because I think. Most of us, before we go on the show, if we're aware that there are gaps in our knowledge, we do try and sort of fill them up a bit, uh, don't we? Well, uh, sure so, uh, gaping holes in mine before I went on the show, I'm sure. Mm. I think we all also become more experienced at doing things within a time constraint as well, don't we? Oh, yeah. so, as a home baker, you sort of have as much time as you want, but then doing it on the show and teaching classes we have to fit it in in, in a, a shorter space of time. Mm. So that's a challenge as yeah. well. Mm. Yeah. That's true. Well, that's lovely. Thank you, Sarah, for your questions. Um, also, Sarah says she will be well chuffed to hear uh, your responses. So there you go, Sarah. You can now yeah. be well chuffed. And uh, <laughs> you could, you could like be properly, properly British in your use of the expression all the way from, from North Carolina. So thank you very much for that, Sarah. And we have time for one more question. We have a question here from Jerry, who is calling in, well, writing in, sorry, from Alaska. Uh, Jerry says, hi there, wonderful Bake Down people. I have a question. Uh, Bake Off has gone back to basics more this season. So what do you think of the technical challenges compared to technicals in other seasons? What do you think makes a good technical and what doesn't? And were there any technicals from your season that drove you particularly crazy or you particularly enjoyed? Uh, Jerry also says, thank you for the podcast. I love listening to it while walking my dog. Thankfully, there aren't many people around as I laugh a lot. Oh, so nice. thank you so much for the comments. Jade, do you want to start us off with that one? The one that I absolutely hated and still are scarred by and have never made since are the Dumpfin Noodle. I just, it completely flummoxed me. Um, I think they're simpler this year, but I don't think that's any bad thing. Not from my year particularly, but from the way technical seems to have escalated since it went over to Channel 4 or the other network from the BBC. And I think this year it has rained back a lot, but without being boring or repetitive. Mm. I think they have struck a really good balance. And I think the Mm. technicals have been what they should be in that they challenge the bakers for their baking knowledge without them having to have gone to a patisserie school or travelled halfway around the world and seen other bakes. So I think they've, they've, They've chosen them really, really well. I can't remember many of the challenges from my year particularly, uh, but because it seemed a long time ago, but um, I loved making fugas. I got all the slashes wrong, if you've seen our series. It was all, because it's supposed to look like a leaf. And now I realise it's supposed to look like a leaf. I know how I would slash it without thinking about it. But I loved doing that challenge. And when we, we all stood at the front looking back at our bakes on the table, we were immensely proud and it was absolutely delicious. I think we all had a lovely time. Fugas was heartwarming time and Dampfen noodles was one that still fills me with horror. <laughs> all of them 
there to, to challenge our knowledge, just um, I wasn't very good at some of them. So what do you think then makes a good technical? Howard, what do you think? I think it's um, testing your skills, but probably not something that nobody has heard of because you sort of feel a bit unsure then about what the finished thing is supposed to look like and I think most of the technical challenges this year have been accessible in the sense that they've tested skills but there's been an element in there of people being able to recognize what it's supposed to look like when it's finished. Yeah, put perfectly I think. And just to uh, expand on that, for me, I think there's two kinds of technical challenges which I like. There's one which is, here is a recipe, please follow the recipe as best as you can, you know, with all the instructions on it. And there's another kind which is like, here's the ingredients, here's what you're trying to make, you figure it out kind of thing. And I think they both have their place and they're both very good uh, measures of people's technical ability. I love the one where they just have a Victoria sponge and were like, just make a Victoria sponge. You're on your own kind of thing. Mm. Um, because I think these are things people should be able to do. But at the same time, in the real world, most of us are just following a recipe, especially, you know, Jane or Jane Howard and I are making something we've never made before. We'll find a recipe that already exists that's highly rated and we'll try following it, you know. And I think mm. that that's, that's a skill that, that, you, that you need to be able to bake and you do need, you know, a little bit of intuition, but you should just be able to follow a recipe and, and make a decent product from it. So I sort of like the two types. So one, like one that relies heavily on intuition and one that's just like, can you follow a recipe? Because that's how we bake in the real world, isn't it? It is. I, unfortunately, you do have to be very careful about what recipes you pick mm. because yeah. there are some very trusted recipes out there and bakers out there. You know, Nigella's very good. Mary Berry's very good. Um, Delia Smith's very good. You know, there are recipes out there, and there are plenty, plenty more out there, that they work. The recipes always work. But baking is expensive. Yeah. And with baking, you don't know whether it's going to taste good until it's been baked. It, it, it's not like um, making something on the hob that you think, I'll add some more salt or I'll add a bit more stock or I'll, I need a bit more garlic or a bit more onion. You, you don't know until it's baked with baking. So it's expensive and you really do, if you're following a recipe, need to follow somebody that is well-trusted and has good reviews because if you have to put 15 quid's worth of ingredients into your food recycling bin because you've had an absolute disaster. Not only does it cost you some money, but it really demoralizes you as well. Um, so, if, yes, um, if you're going to test out recipes or try recipes for the very first time, not inverted puff pastry, I would suggest, <laughs> then pick somebody who is good and tried and tested before you have a, have a go because there are plenty of recipe books out there and online recipes that don't necessarily work. But not as, as will work. As will work, most yeah. of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Always. And, Always. And Dan and Howard, just very quickly, um, were there any technical challenges that drove you, you guys crazy and you said never again? Oh, I think I, I think Tweel uh, I struggled with. But I've done I've done twill since, so I've conquered my fear. But yes, at the time, uh, I would have run a mile from a twill. Not that twill, <laughs> not that they were chased. Yeah, I had dreams of them chasing. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Do they have little legs? Yeah, they have little 
legs, Helen. Oh, no. <laughs> Helen, I shan't dressed... sleep. I shan't sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when I come trick or treating, I can dress up as a twill. Ah, I see. <laughs> Terrifying stuff. <laughs> no, I think the only one from our season which I really didn't like was we had it was the Monet cake. It was sort of a single layer genoise sponge cut into three with a French buttercream, and then you had to make a mirror glaze and a pistachio marzipan. It was just horrific, a horrific amount of work for a cake that was just fine. So uh, yeah, I'll never be making one of those again. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, th- th- in our season, there were quite a few crazy challenges, and I think I'm glad they're sort of not doing that anymore. Mm. But if you want to make a mini mono cake, then Howard's class is coming. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh <laughs> we 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 have done it. Yes, we, we have, have done, done it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it was worth all the effort, Howard. It was a lot of work. I think I cut down on some of the steps, I think. Oh, did yeah. you? Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. I, actually, uh, boiling this the spinach and then straining it, gosh, I ended up with, with scald marks on my hands afterwards. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Just, just the way Monet liked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we got a tad off topic there, but Jerry, thank you so much for your question. Um, Sarah as well. Thank you guys. Really great to hear all your questions. Do please keep writing in with questions and comments. We are very much looking forward to hearing them and talking about them on the podcast. You can email us at thebakedown at bakewithalegend.com or you can contact us via social media. We are at Bake With A Legend on all platforms. And our lovely showstopper challenge this week was a Italian. Say it properly. Say it properly. <laughs> <laughs> An Italian millefeuille, which is a mille foglie. Foglie. I swear at one point Paul just said millie foyer. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> yeah. not quite right. But however you want to pronounce it, and I am absolutely not going to criticize anybody's pronunciation. Have you heard mine just in this challenge? Um, yes, so this is uh, an Italian puff pastry layered dessert, very close to a millefoy or a mille fuile, as Tan likes to call it. Mille fuile, yeah. I just think that's <laughs> brilliant. Um, and it needed at least four layers. That seemed to be the entire brief that we were told. I assume there's slightly more detail they went into with the bakers. And we had some really nice flavours. So, Howard, what did you think of this challenge and the overall flavours that people were using? I thought it was a lovely challenge. I must admit, I, I must have been living under a rock. I've never heard of it before. So, I, it, was, uh, it was new to me. Um, and when I looked it up, I thought that, again, it's it's quite a simple thing, similar to, to a meal for Um but they were obviously given the the task of turning it into something a bit more showstoppery. I think really Italians seem to use them as wedding cakes. Seems if you're be... doing it as a wedding cake, like yeah. <laughs> like James just showed, that is not very simple. So just ignore <laughs> everything that I've said. They okay, can be thank simple. Thank you, Howard, for your input. Yeah. Sometimes they're not. <laughs> Sorry. But it Sorry, was Howard. it was it was nice to see them doing full puff pastry as well. I thought 
thought it was a nice yes. challenge to do that. Yeah. Yes, full puff pastry. Um, and we, we we're gonna have to talk about this. Tasha's inverted puff pastry, which I believe we've seen, if not last year, the year before. I'm sure somebody did this because I spent a good kind of few minutes working did out. Did it in my year were. as well. Oh, did somebody do it in your year as well? Yeah, Glenn ah. did it in, in my year. Maybe that's why it's familiar because we went back and did that this year. Maybe and he went out that week, which is not, not a good yeah. sign. Yeah. <laughs> Tasha, did you not watch any previous series? <laughs> Tasha, no. <laughs> so, why do it? What? Uh, gosh, why do it? It looks so much harder. For those people who don't know what it is, can somebody give an explanation of it? What do you do, and why is it air quotes better than regular puff pastry? I don't think it is, is it? And I, I mean, I think Tasha, by her own admission just said that she was making life difficult for herself and it's like well why why then <laughs> don't do it it's like we were talking about earlier isn't it um sometimes it's about the well most of the time it's about the flavors and the finish rather than the technique that you've used in order to get there so don't don't show us a complicated technique if you can do it in an easier way and also, someone said, I think it was Prue said, oh, yeah, inverse puff pastry is supposed to be even flakier than regular puff pastry. And I'm like, is it, though? Is it really? This is what is I wanted it... to know. Like, how? How does that work? Is is it? I, I don't see that that would be true. Like, it, it just seems like a ridiculous gamble that's never going to be worth the payoff. But luckily, she did get something that had some lamination in it, but I don't think it was worth it. I, I would never have done that. The whole idea is you're trying to keep your butter chilled so it stays in thin layers. So technically what you want is a thin layer of pastry and a very thin layer of butter and a thin layer of pastry and a very thin layer of butter. And what happens is when it cooks, the moisture in that butter expands, which gives you the layers. So you want lots of that, which is why you want to keep it chilled as well, because um, it's easier to work with and you have, don't smush your butter everywhere. If your butter's firm enough, on the outside of your pastry, your hands and your rolling pin are going to soften it much more quickly, I would have thought, mm. and just make it a whole lot more difficult to get a nice lamination. And goodness me, I was waiting for Paul to say this pastry is as dry as a bone because that butter just oozed out on her yeah. baking tray. But they didn't. Perhaps they were just being nice or perhaps that came out in the edit. I don't know. But also, I find, I mean, I have a problem. My fridge is quite cold. And if I try and do anything with butter layers in, if I'm too careful, not careful about chilling it down too much, my butter layer will shatter and I'll end up with splinters of butter rather than a nice even layer. Yeah. And I think if you're doing an inverse pastry, that feels like it's even more likely to happen because mm. the butter will be touching the fridge shelf or whatever you you're, you sat it on. I just think it's you're just asking for trouble. I don't see how that's going to work at all. No. I mean, I'm sure there's a method to do it, but uh, it just seems like absolute folly. I would have uh, been desperately upset that I couldn't have just done a rough puff in this challenge. I think a rough, I do a rough puff when I make Milfoy and I think it's perfectly fine. I think it's perfectly fine too. But it's obviously way more fun. Because you cry, you keep it you keep it squished down so it doesn't puff up too much. So Exactly, yeah. Yeah, doesn't make any difference. Anyway, that's Are we making your life difficult, Sarah, by just yeah. sort of disagreeing in <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, it's, we wouldn't have done it like that in any case. And even if we yeah. even if they'd have set this challenge for us, we'd have just done it our own way. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I didn't set the challenge. I don't mind. <laughs> I know, but perhaps you just needed some inverse puff pastry experts on this week. Well, <laughs> than us. Yeah. well it's, as you say, Howard, it's, it's something we've seen before. It's something that's been a struggle before. And I just wondered what it was about um, about it that was made it so elusive and, and alluring to be used as a showstopper when it doesn't seem to have particularly good results i don't know but i have just looked it up and it just was glenn i can't find anybody else that's made it on the show i'm sure mm. somebody would tell me i'm wrong but what you what's what year was that howard 2013 yeah so t- 10 10 years ago yeah. so t- tasha mm. might not have seen that no we're familiar with it because we saw that series whenever we earlier on this year um and maybe tasha hasn't come in bless her she's a sweet young thing perhaps somebody thought it was a really good idea because somebody will have said somewhere oh it's brilliant it's so much easier to do you can always find somebody to agree with whatever you want them to agree yes. with can't you? on on google um and maybe she's too young to, to remember Glenn. well she's 20 yeah she's 27 isn't she so she would have only been 17 at the time she would have been busy going out and doing all sorts of fun things at 17 <laughs> rather than watching us all on Bake Off, perhaps. <laughs> I was just about to say, I didn't. I remember. Then I was like, yeah, that just makes me sound sad. I spent my nights in watching Bake Off at 19. So. I'm the same, Sarah. I didn't, <laughs> do you know what? I was such a square kid. I didn't even go out drinking until I was 18. I was like, I'm not 18 yet. It's not allowed. Oh, bless so, you. Yeah, bless I was a very you. boring child. Yay. Um, <laughs> oh, fun. Well, let's get back to the uh, showstopper challenge. We'll leave the puff pastry for now. Possibly not the best thing to do. Although she did get some layers in the end. Uh, she yeah. had a mango mojito flavor with a lime mint mousse, a mango curd, and a white chocolate cup with a mango rose. Um, all of which seemed to cause her a bit of stress all the way through. You know, the the chocolate cup at the end looked quite stressful and Dan had to come and help her and then dropping the rose in and the curd was a bit grainy. Like, gosh, if I was Tasha, I think I would have needed a massive drink after that challenge. (laughs) And it was her birthday, bless her. And it was her birthday. And it was her birthday the day before. I mean, how how sad. Happy birthday, Tasha. Uh, how sad it wasn't going. Four months it ago. wasn't going well. Oh, yeah, four months ago, you're right. Yeah, I did feel sorry for her. I did wonder, because when they said it's been her birthday the day before, and then at one point you saw a shot of her drawer pulled out and it had lots of small balloons in it. And I thought, oh, that's nice. Perhaps the people from Love Productions filled her drawer with balloons for her birthday. And then, no, she was using it to make chocolate cups. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh maybe that's what inspired her oh, oh i don't know i don't know I, I i did think with the chocolate cup on the top the white chocolate and the mango is a particularly pale mango it, it just didn't look very impressive either did it sadly yes it was quite pale wasn't it in the end mm, was it pale? we were talking about mangoes the other day actually do not buy mangoes at the time of year when we haven't got good mangoes in the shops because they just fly them over and they don't ripen properly and they're horribly pale and 
are very disappointing. Mm. Oh, there's nothing worse than a disappointing man. No, I don't think there is. Well, the salty residue comes close. (laughs) 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 The brown salty mint. Sorry, I'm going to shut up in a minute. But I I think I I haven't particularly, dear listeners, been mean to Paul Hollywood this year, and I'm not going to be too mean to him today. But he went up to Dan right in his face and was saying, so this recipe, um, is this going to get you in the final? And I said, I'd like to Dan to turn around and went, well, no, I, I thought I'd do some really rubbish recipe that I knew wasn't going to get me in the final. <laughs> I mean, it was a really, how do you know? What, do you, what Paul do you expect him to say to that, really? I just thought that was a classic Paul, and he hasn't done much of that this year. No, he does like to wind people up. He likes he knows where their buttons are and he knows how to press them. Mm, well, he said he wound me up on that one, so <laughs> But I think that's Dan's flavours are very classic, sort of for for French patisserie, chocolate and coffee are sort of, you know, very classic cream flavours. And I think that's uh He'd gone a bit more traditional with the showstopper, and I kind of like that. Although yes. I, I will, I will say the uh, mirror glaze. I I like a mirror glaze as much as the next man. I like the way they look, but I've never ate one that was appealing to eat. They are mm. all very gelatinous. I don't know if I'm just getting this wrong, but have you ever made a, a mirror glaze that wasn't all gloopy? Yes. <laughs> 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 I see. Oh, J- Jane's, pa- Jane's pastry never shrinks, and her mirror no. glaze is never gloopy. It's yeah. never gloopy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The problem, the problem is, isn't it, the white chocolate because you want it to be a colour. So, and then you're in the tent, and you want to make sure it sets, and you just put that extra bit of gelatin in. Nine times out of ten, I'd rather have a nice chocolate ganache over the top rather than a mirror glaze, but. Yeah, you just have to be a bit patient and maybe they just didn't have enough time and just shoved in that extra leaf of gelatin. I thought it created a lovely look. It was clever. Yeah. It was clever. I wouldn't necessarily have wanted to eat the top layer, but it did look attractive, I must The judges did say that it wasn't thick enough to really be a problem because it was so thin. I think they said it at the end when they were talking to Noel just before they yes, announced the Star Baker. Mm. So I guess it wouldn't have had that much of an impact on the overall taste. But I do know what you mean, Jane. Hmm. I thought Dan picked an interesting design for a showstopper for the semi-final. I wouldn't have thought to do it. I would have been much more traditional like the others. But I, I was impressed with his um, ambition, I think, with that. And and nice flavours as well. Can we talk about the elephant in the room, though? What's the elephant in the room? The elephant in the room is the horse that I have backed, which is, of course, the lovely Josh. And Josh's absolutely magnificent creation. I just thought it was stunning. It was so... It was all... It was big. It was perfectly sort of uh, rectangular. It was flat. It had the lovely, mm. bountiful presentation in the middle. I just thought it was absolutely lovely. And in terms of being sort of neat and tidy, it's the kind of thing that I almost think wouldn't be possible in the tent because it requires that little bit of extra love and care to get it all so, so neat. So I don't quite know what magic Josh pulled out of his hat today, but um, I thought that his was absolutely amazing. I think Prue said she wanted to clap. How was yes. that the elephant in the room? Yes, why is it an elephant? <laughs> Because we're avoiding it. No, we're not avoiding it. We just didn't get to it yet. We're working our way through. 
OAC were working our way up to it. I just feel like it was the first thing we should have mentioned. I was so bowled over by that. <laughs> it was. It was absolutely beautiful. And it he was, got yeah. so it was so square. It was Ooh. so, so square. And that beautiful little decoration with the fruit and just one or two buttercream roses was just perfect. It wasn't over gilding the lily, it was just beautiful yeah, and it was uh, i agree yeah yeah yes really 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 well josh with your big elephant pastry absolutely and we have we have a rare moment of paul and prue disagreeing on a quite a small um element of of the bake but uh paul thought the pastry was a tad overbaked and prue completely disagreed um, and I just wonder if it's the same thing like when you do profiteroles, if they are the tiniest bit overbaked, does it really matter because they've got so much soft filling on the inside? You've mm. A, got the nice crunch and soft, and then the soft will soften the hard pastry. I agree. When it comes to mille foilet, uh, mille foy, mille foilet, mille foilet. I have been persuaded over the years to cook my pastry a little darker. So normally when you see pastry on a pie, it's sort of, you know, uh, sort of amber golden. Um, but when you have it in a milfoil, you want it to be quite dark. It increases the complexity of the flavor. And it also gives a, a starker contrast texturally between sort of the crunchy pastry and the soft filling. So I've been persuaded over the years that actually you kind of want to push your pastry and cook it as much as you can. Um, so I would tend to agree with Prue on that one. Mm, me too. Do you dust your pastry before you then put your other um, baking tray on the top to keep it flattened. Do you dust it with icing sugar so you get that slight caramelisation as well from the icing sugar? Many do. I do not usually, but I know that is something that people like to do and apparently it does give it a little bit of a sweet sort of caramelised crust. But I, I just don't do that out of practice, no. But I know well, it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, do you I like do. it? I do because it's... Uh, it, again, it gives just that, as you say, that little bit of extra complexity to it. You get a sort of slightly caramelised layer. You don't have to be a bit careful you don't over, overdo it because otherwise it might go a bit bitter. But it's uh, it's a nice thing to do. And I think Dan did it. I'm sure I saw mm. him dusting mm. the top of his pastry with something. And I think that's probably what he was doing. Um, but Josh, Josh's was fabulous. I loved all the flavours. I really, really did. I thought it sounded delicious. And it just, it looked like he had an extra half an hour to everyone else because mm. the level of finish was just crazy. Well, this is something I've noticed quite a lot in Josh's showstoppers. He does, now again, I don't know the entirety of the brief. We only know what we hear on the programme. But he seems to fit the brief and that's it. Like he doesn't do quite a few times. We've seen people do, yes, I'm going to do six things because they want me to do six things. And then I'm going to do three more. Josh doesn't. He does True, yeah. simply yeah. straight. I mean, yeah. he made a lemon. I'm not trying to say any of this is simple because there's a lot of skill in what he did, but he made a lemon creme diplomat, blackcurrant jam, blackberry curd. Boom. Yep. Just straight, simple, no messing around. And he, Again, like you keep saying, Jane, with chigs, you hit the brief, you do it well, you do it in enough time, and that's what keeps impressing the judges. Yeah, and you get it finished, and you don't need to add six different ingredients. He keeps his flavours that complement each other, but he doesn't go and shove in half a dozen other ones just for shock value. Maybe, you know, he's a scientist, and he's a chemist, isn't he, I think? Mm. Yes. Yeah, as a, you have to be precise. You can't be slapdash 
as a chemist because you could end up blowing up your lab, I suppose. So maybe that precision carries through into his baking because his his level of finish is fantastic, I think. It really is. I felt, I felt a bit sorry for Matty, actually, because I think he... He was almost there, wasn't he? He, he was, Again, yes. he'd, it looked beautiful apart from the fact that he'd stamped out his circles using a cake mm. tin rather than cutting them out with a sharp knife. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he, he was, you could almost see him kicking himself afterwards when it was pointed out that, it, yeah. that the pastry had been mm. compressed and uh, that didn't allow it, the layers to kind of expand. So he's learning all the time, but mm. um, did a brilliant job. I thought, I thought. his looked lovely. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree. I thought it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And his decoration mm. with the f- fruits were just enough. Lovely. Um, I thought he did a spot-on job. But it's a bit like, for anybody listening, you know, when you make scones, you cut down on a scone. You do not twist mm. because yeah. that compresses the edges and then it, rises unevenly that's what happened to his pastry and I thought that was a bit of a shame but I, I really fancied his I love the idea of the masala in there I love masala and it was, mm. it was very ambitious to do three different layers three different tiers as well yes it was it, it was quite big and he, he was. pulled it off mm. beautifully mm. I think he did uh, but then they said his pastry was a bit rubbery needed more baking what was he trying to say Zabaglione I've I've Googled it though. The only thing I can find is the sort of egg yolky. Yeah, like a syllabub type thing. Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. That, yeah. Which is yeah. the Jane you use in your tiramisu class. And I thought, oh, I tiramisu, how'd you make yeah. that? Yeah. I thought, how'd you make that into a wedding cake? <laughs> I couldn't quite work it out. So if anybody who knows quite what he was talking about wants to give us a bit of information, please do write in and tell us. <laughs> So that was our fantastic showstopper challenge where, again, everybody did pretty well. Nobody had an absolute disaster. There were elements that could have been improved upon. Everybody had lamination, pastry, and got something on the board at the end. So I think everybody deserves massive praise for their showstopper challenges. Try and say it. Mille Poigli. No. Leave me alone. So we finish Patisserie Week with the star baker, the final star baker before the final. And this time it was Josh, who I think very, very much deserved his star baker title. He did he did pretty well in his signature ta- challenge. Maybe not the best. He didn't get a handshake, but he did pretty well. The technical, he came first and his showstopper was called A Thing of Beauty, which it absolutely was. Mm. Um, so that means that he is going into the final with two star bakers. So he is much more level with everybody else. So, Dan, what did you think about Josh's star baker? Well, deserved quite frankly uh yeah so i think if we were averaging people's bakes across the season i think he he deserves to be doing better than just equal with everyone else i mean he is the horse that i backed so you know maybe there's a reason that i feel that way but no i think he was it was absolutely deserved and it's uh, nice to go into the final with uh, all the finalists having two star bakers i believe so on paper it seems very close uh, on my season 
the finalists all went into the final with two star bakers each. So uh, I think it will be a nice close race again, hopefully. Mm. We shall see. Oh, exciting. But unfortunately, it does mean that we have to say goodbye to a baker. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was a big shock when Jürgen went home. Everybody thought he was going to make the final. And this year, I think it's something very similar. Poor Tasha went home and, and she's been so many people's favourites. She's been absolutely fantastic. Two star bakers as well. Um, and unfortunately, I think maybe her technique just wasn't quite... Matching everybody else's, as we've said before, you guys, you get so far into this competition, you just get tired and I do not blame anybody. Nobody had a bad challenge in this um, episode. I'd, so I don't think anybody needs to be ashamed. Um, Howard, what do we think? Tasha's saying goodbye to Tasha. Uh, it was really sad. And I thought, to be perfectly honest, I thought Prue in particular was a little bit, how can I put it, not cruel, but sort of on the way. Um, she was a little bit judgmental, so she, she made one or two little pithy comments about Tasha's signature and then said how disappointed she was with Tasha coming uh, last in the technical. So, um, yeah, not, not the nicest way to go out. I think Tasha deserves to be recognised for how far she's come, actually. Uh, I think she's done a brilliant job. And she was all of our favourites, wasn't she? She was. I love Tasha. I've, I've had her down as a, a finalist. You know, she's grown. She's such a lovely personality as well. I thought she was She was, She was. was lovely. And, yeah, I, I don't know who I would have wanted to send home, but I'm disappointed not to see her in the final. Yeah, I think it's a case of that. It's. Uh, I don't think I wanted to see any of them go this year, oh. which is not usually the case, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, you mean you've usually got it in for somebody? Then. Yeah, exactly. But no, it's, no, it's it's a real shame. You know, obviously it's a shame they can't all make the final, but this year especially because I thought think they're all good. Mm, uh, yeah, they're lo- lovely, lovely characters, and I'm looking forward to it. I think the final should be cracking as long as they've got a good some good challenges, which I'm sure good they challenges. Will. Yeah. I've really enjoyed this season. To be honest, I think it's. They've done a good job. So pat yourself on the back, Love Productions, because I, I love the way it's been restyled. We missed Alison, of course, on this. Um, oh, we did, yeah. Miss Alison, who wasn't terribly well. I, I really loved having her on board. I think Bake Off has got itself back on track again. I thought it was struggling a bit for a while, but I think it's been revitalised and really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. So, yes, we have our three finalists. Very, very exciting. We have Dan, Josh and Matty who have made the final. And, uh, of course, the final has no theme. It is just the final. So we will see what challenges um, it brings up. Will they bring up challenges that the boys have struggled with in the past and make them face their demons again? This is something that's happened a lot. We will have to wait and see. Uh, So in the meantime, we do hope you can join us, as I've said, for Rosie's Financiers class on Sunday, the 26th of November. And we have lots of fantastic classes coming up in the next few months. We have classes all the way through December and January. So do head to the Bake With The Legend website and check out those. If you want to be baking Christmas roulades with Jane or 
beautiful pear tarts with Howard or moving into the new year if you want to have a go at Apple Conchers with Dan. There are plenty of classes to choose from. So head over to the website bakewithalegend.com and have a look at what you would like to bake. But until next week, thank you so much, Jane, Dan and Howard for spending this time with us and talking through patisserie week and we will see you next week for the final yes we thanks will. guys we will bye 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 Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.